At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Welcome to the show, Spectres. This is the Mass Effect Lorecast, and this is your host, Tom, or Robots. This is episode number 46, and the first of our two episodes in one week. Uh, we've changed things around. If you didn't check out the previous episode uh, that dropped earlier this week, we are now doing two episodes every week. We're making them a little bit shorter. We're shooting for the 40 to 45 minute range, but we'll see if we actually hit that, that range for every episode. But instead of doing these longer episodes, we're doing shorter episodes. So just letting you know. And uh, I believe we'll be shooting for drops around Wednesdays and Fridays. So uh, we're glad to have you with us. And back with me again is N7 Legend, our all-knowing, all-wise and wonderful in the ways of the Milky Way and Andromeda Galaxies. What wise guy. I couldn't well, come up with a so, final word there. I, de I definitely have gaps in my, my knowledge <laughs> about uh, about the lore of the Andromeda. Uh, I'm definitely more comfortable with the original trilogy, but I, I, I appreciate your faith in me. Well, hey, you know a lot more than I do. But uh, hey, so uh, last episode, we were talking about uh, Vive la Resistance. <laughs> That's just all we oui, oui. say, because that was, that's just all, I just want to say that now for the rest of the episode. Oui, Allons-y. Yeah. Um, Can, we were talking about the resistance and specifically uh, that there was some distrust of the Milky Way species within that resistance. It's getting worse as I do it. Um, can I just believe that the Angarans are just French people? I feel like there are some similarities there. Um, I'm not going to go too in depth on an analysis for that, okay. just for our French listeners who yeah, would. <laughs> that's true. I don't want to insult anybody, but I do want to do my funny Pepe Le Pew accent. I, I wonder 
would the Quebecois who listen to this be okay with that making fun of French mainlanders? I feel like it. I I'm mean, just probably. I just here's my problem is that my French accent is a hundred percent based on Pepe Le Pew and Monty Python doing French accents. It's just kind of an amalgamation well. of both. Oh. <laughs> if 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 ever there was a, a popular impression of a french accent it's definitely that of an englishman yeah, right right <laughs> anyway so um so we're getting deeper into the resistance you you teased on the last episode that there is an even more grumpy group a more that is an accurate way to describe them grump, they're they're grumpy they're distrustful uh i don't know what who are we talking about you know, uh, it's it's a little bit more extreme than that, but the dist the distrust in g- is a general theme that the player feels interacting with the Angaran resistance for much of the game. For a huge portion of the game, the Angaran resistance, even the people who are friendly and cooperating with you, they're questioning the initiative's motives. Mm-hmm. Like they're like mm, they're holding you at arms arms length, and it's 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 much more of a standoffish attitude than we were used to seeing in the original trilogy. Who are you English niggets? Like that? What? Like, that was Monty Python. Never mind. Go on. Ah, uh, got, well, I'm going to have to brush up on my Monty Python. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry. But, you know, this makes sense because like we talked about last episode, uh, if you were the Angarans, mm-hmm. if you had just had your entire society sent back to the Stone Age by this dark energy storm. And then right after that, some angry Borg assholes <laughs> come in and totally play gaslighting sociopath and uh, then separate and, and, you know, worsen existing divides among your species. And then once those divides are at a fever pitch, they decide to invade. Uh huh. And then they've demolished your entire military. And this is the only alien experience that you've ever had. Uh huh. You don't even know about other aliens that we know of. You don't even know about other aliens outside of them. How are you really going to react when another alien group of multiple alien species arrives from a different galaxy? Right. And Sarah Ryder looks like this. Yeah. And, and the Pathfinder is looking at you like she either just crapped her pants or <laughs> want, or is considering what your skin tastes like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or both at the same time. Or both. Why, why not both? <laughs> why not both? Um, yeah. I, distrust makes a lot of sense, I think, for the Angarns. I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's not something the distrust is not something entirely foreign to the player at this point. If they've if if this player of Mass Effect has played the original trilogy, because we see the distrust of aliens in several places in the original trilogy. The Batarian hegemony, of course, is very insular. They don't trust other species um, after having their butts handed to them on a silver platter by the council when the council effectively chose to allow humanity to continue. Continue colonizing in the Skillian Verge, 
that resulted in them feeling like they were, you know, ousted, that they were not, that their input was not valued above humans. So they became insular. They distrusted other aliens, especially humans. And mm -hmm. we run into that in the original trilogy. We also run into Krogan's distrusting Salarians and Turians. And for good reason, you would probably distrust an alien species that sterilized your species, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why the different races kind of distrust each other. I mean, you run into it all the time. All the time. All the um, time. It's very and, common. And on a micro, uh, on I a mean, micro the humans scale. themselves distrust like all the time. Yeah. Yep. Um, Navigator Presley, first one of the first people you talk to in the game or can talk to. Yeah. He says that he doesn't feel comfortable having aliens on board, referring to the one alien on board, the Turian Spectre Nihilus. Right. The elusive later, man actually, is all about distrusting aliens. Okay, the elusive man is like, you know, we need a Cerberus to defend humanity from, you know, right. becoming invasion from right. aliens. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, like the Angarans would love an elusive man among them. Uh, yeah, and you know they kind of do. They kind of do have one, um, and something that we will get into actually this episode. Yeah. So okay. So eventually, the Angaran resistance trusts Ryder enough to take the cat, to take on the cat. Like eventually, Ryder is able to like gain their trust, though. Mm, yes. Um, yes. In 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 principle, um, because eventually the cat or the uh, the Angaran resistance agrees to go to war, basically with the uh, and, and serve as shield brothers, right? To 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 Ryder and the initiative. Mm -hmm. But I have a couple of questions about that topic. I have a couple of questions because how much of that is how much of the co cooperation, how much of the trust that we see developed is born of necessity how much of it is born out of the angarans taking an objective look around and thinking we don't really stand a chance on our own right or how much worse could this get right right like if we're like, gonna get wiped out anyway we have like we're between a rock and a hard place like might as well take a yeah, chance burn the hand is worth two in the bush yeah so, don't, uh, don't look a gift horse in the mouth yeah i'm just um, i'm just making i'm just <laughs> pulling out <laughs> sayings don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. right right it's better to wear a hat than a sandal on your head tis better to have loved and lost than yeah. never to have loved at all yeah why dive off a diving board when you can sit in a chair if you are if your friends jump off a bridge are you really going to follow them yeah and and why go to wyoming when you can live in kansas <laughs> why buy a, a cow when you can get the milk for free Yours are real. I'm making up dumb stuff. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I was just seeing how long we could do this. How long I can just make up stupid crap? Yeah. I, was, I, was I can go forever. Your, it was a yes and type, type of scenario. I can go forever. Why well, go to the movies um, when you can watch Netflix for free? <laughs> that I should mean, be a I real mean, thing. That, should that be. is a real thing for everyone who bums off their friend's Netflix. I know, right? <laughs> that is that is a very real thing. Um, side note, uh, Netflix is going to start cracking down on that. I don't know if you heard about that, but I'm sorry about, to say you, you heard this unlikely news here on the Mass Effect Lorecast. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, 
I have a question, you know, I, I question how much of the trust that we see developed between the resistance is lasting, how much of it is just because they, you know, they needed them to be to be quite cynical about it. Key example of this is, you know, when Ryder completes the first couple missions uh, in Andromeda after Havarl uh, and Orveld, uh and Ephraim still doesn't trust them. But then the Moshi, a kind of spiritual leader, sage scientist type Angara who researches the remnant. That's kind of like because, me. That's kind of like me. <laughs> you're the you're the Moshi. I'm kind of like a Moshi. Yeah. He's the Moshi of his his, his neighborhood. Me. I'm kind of like a spiritual leader, scientist, sage type guy. Would you like to go meet some new people, Tom? No, he's he's Moshi. He's he's. <laughs> oh God, that was. That's right out. That was just that was just right out. Are you sure you're not a dad? I I I don't know. I gotta have a conversation. Oh no! Oh, I gotta no. have a conversation um, with my partner. Oh god! Um, hey, honey. Uh, uh, is there know. something you need to tell me? I just just started making dad jokes. My dad jokes have been off the wall today. Um, my dad jokes are really really good lately. I think we need to go to the pharmacy. Is there something you need to tell me? Yeah. Um, but then the Moshi, this sage scientist person, uh, Angara rather, who is researching the remnant to try to find this technological breakthrough that could help them restore to how they were before the scourge. The Moshi gets taken. And who is one of the first you know, groups that Ephra calls for help? Well, it, it's the initiative. The, he reaches out to the initiative and then possibly learns about Ryder's connection with AI. Sam is the name of the AI. Mm-hmm. And he still accepts the help. This is a group, the resistance being a group that is already on the, on the fence about trusting the initiative or not. And now they've learned that they are the initiative and the pathfinder primarily is placing a great deal of their trust in an AI that they cannot control. Uh-huh. Um, and he still accepts the help. So, you know, I, I question whether or not, like, would he have accepted the help or even sought the help or even wanted to be friends if he didn't need it? Yeah, I don't think so. I, th- I think it's a I think it's a he has no other option kind of thing. Strategic choice. It's yeah. a it's a there is there's no other option. It's a you just don't there's he's got nowhere else to go. There's no like. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, the best time yeah. to negotiate with somebody is when you know they have n- no other no other options, you know? Yeah. That's, that's called leverage. It's called leverage. The deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But like, like he's got nothing else on the table. If he turns this down, then there's these, like everything will fail. Yeah. You might as well Um, give up at that point. And if that's the basis of this uh, tentative alliance, then does that mean it will disintegrate with the Keth incursion into the Helios having been defeated? You know, ultimately, I, I don't think it's that much of a spoiler, but, you know, Andromeda, you win, Keth die, you know, but sure. it doesn't mean the entire Keth empire is, or Keth, Keth empire is gone, but the Keth die, their incursion into the Helios cluster has been eliminated with help from the Angaran resistance. Mm-hmm. Does what then? 
what then do, do the angara just accept the fact that it seems like in this new new governmental order of the helios cluster that they are merely granted an ambassador to the nexus that they're just throwing the scraps are they just going to accept that like yeah. the, it's theirs it's their cluster right right <laughs> like they were right. born there right um so how long is that piece going to last um without sounding too much like the catalyst um and to what degree does you know the, well the enemy of my enemy was my friend but now my enemy's gone so they're just my enemy right well i'm on some level there's the whole you did come and help us when we needed it so that does garner some goodwill right but now there's a power vacuum but right and there's the the sense of like like you're saying don't we shouldn't we have some more control over this being that this is our space yeah yeah exactly exactly so so yeah yeah okay so okay so with this underlying level of distrust even among the friendly angara does anything really ever come of it indeed it does um i mean in a retrospective kind of fashion so to back up there's a militant faction named the Rokar who are formed. Uh, but this happens before the Nexus arrives, before the Milky Way factions arrive there. And they hate outsiders. The Rokar hate outsiders. And really anyone that's not Angara, it seems. And it's not even limited to non-Angara. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much just, you know, exclusive factions get more and more exclusive. That's just what they do. Um, and they carry out attacks on the quote unquote new aliens that we referenced last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they are more extremist. They are the more extremist wing, I believe it's fair to say of the Angaran resistance. And they were formed more or less because they thought the resistance and Ephra were too soft. But he was the uh, they, badass that got everyone together. Yeah. Well, you know, they, <laughs> Basically, there was a different badass who who wanted different, you know, rules of engagement. And um, the arrival of the Milky Way species aboard the Nexus, it emboldens them. They already were xenophobic. And then, you know, and for the reasons we mentioned about the cat having been their only alien experience and then look what happened. And so they were already extremely xenophobic and militant. And then the Nexus comes in, it emboldens them it ignites their hatred of the other and their motives kind of seem born out of fear and supremacy, very similar to Cerberus, you know, mm-hmm. um, it is very similar to Cerberus, at least in how it feels when we're analyzing the two that the motives for the people who join them the reasons why these factions gain traction that they that they don't just fizzle is because they they speak to a very primal part of everyone the fight or flight instinct um yeah so and and just like servers they have very wide parameters for what they feel is acceptable to do to the quote other right which is always so much easier to justify when somebody's other because they're no longer you or a person at all so okay so before yeah. we get into that though how did how did uh the rokar form uh was it when the nexus arrived from the milky way yeah um well remember how we said the resistance was split up for a long time mm-hmm. 
how it was highly, you know, incapable against the cat. Well, this along with what I imagine were terrible atrocities that some of the Angara witnessed in their war with the cat, uh, things that they had to endure, which alienated them, you could say. <laughs> you sure? I'll, I'll, uh, take, I'll take my leave. Um, alienated them from the resistance movements and continued once Ephra united them. Uh, and there was there was one Angara named Aksul who spent a year as a slave in a cat labor camp. One year. Um, eventually, Aksul was freed. And he'd later go on to lead the more bitter, xenophobic Angara to form the Rokar. Uh, we're not exactly sure on the timeline here, but we know it was before the Nexus got there. And we also pro- we also understand that it was likely uh, along the same lines as when his his origins had become such that they were parallels of when they were splintered, if that makes sense. Uh, and we're not exactly sure of a lot of details here, uh, but the ultimate goal of the Rokar is to drive everyone who is not Angara out of the Helios cluster. Right. So they want they want all these other new aliens gone. Right. Yeah. 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 So, OK, so what do we know about Axel's? background and what led him to this well it turns out Aksul was captured and forced into the cat labor camp like we said uh, he was a member of the resistance movement before then mm-hmm. and and Aksul studied under the Moshai along with the player's squad mate Jal mm. so he wasn't just a warrior and someone willing to go to bat but he was a student he was someone willing to look into the, you know, the, the, the nuances of this remnant technology in hopes of ultimately enlightening his, his species back to the point where they were. Um, and according to the lore, Aksul was the better student of, of him and Jal. He was more brilliant, but his experience during the war made him bitter. It made him hardened like a cold heart and uh when he returned from being in the uh, enslaved in the camp he hated the resistance he resented them for not saving him for not doing more for not winning more battles for not doing x y and z and he no longer really gave a damn about unlocking the secrets of the remnant he uh, became obsessed with destroying the invaders so he formed this group he formed his own group, rather, with him at the top to fight on his terms. And coincidentally, when Ryder meets Aksul, he says he sees the initiative as being effectively no different from the cat. They are invaders all the same. And by Rokar logic, invaders cannot be trusted and they must be destroyed. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean... <laughs> There's a lot of similarities here. You know, somebody, he starts out with these good intentions and is worn down by those intentions uh, not living up to his expectations. Or not his intentions living, but like the world not living up to his expectations. The resistance doesn't come and save him, or at least not in the time that he had hoped. 
and the you know the things like this is the problem with a certain idealism is when it, it it lets you down and a lot of extremists often are born from the the breaking of their idealism this is like the seeds to a lot of extremism is is the breaking yeah, like, of idealism like i thought the world was a great place but it turns out it's the worst <laughs> you know right, what i mean yeah. right and and a lot of shoulds you know like everyone yes. should do these things this way and because you they don't i need to make them like those kinds of things like should statements uh often lead to all sorts of terrible th terribleness um so yeah th this again matches another kind of real world thing and we could go on about all sorts of different extremist factions matching this kind of thing but like i think we've talked about a lot of them before but it, it does like this this really echoes a lot of the stuff that we've talked about honestly reading aksul's timeline looking into his background it reads a lot like if you're if you're if you're if you're watching a documentary on like some person who did this awful terrorist action and they're like i never understood he was the nicest child how could he do such a thing that yeah that's what it feels like yeah yeah and like like i said he starts out with these good uh, good intentions these good intentions these high ideals and sometimes that just you know when those things aren't met and you try hard and those things aren't met and those things aren't met and then they just kind of fall off a plateau and then you just swing to the other extreme um and then the ends then justify the means that's the other side of that coin. That's the, it has to, I, right. Most extremist factions, it kind of has to embrace that. Right. Well, the, well, I still need to get to that result. So therefore the ends have to justify the means and, or the means just have to justify the ends. And that again, like it's, it's this, it's the classic superhero villain conundrum, you know, like the ends, the means don't always justify the ends. Like sometimes the way you get there is more terrible than the thing you're trying to achieve and right. that just doesn't work out so yeah it's an interesting conundrum but it, it makes for a really interesting villain sometimes <laughs> but anyway we're in the middle of the show so we need to go thank our patrons and we're gonna read out some reviews and just a reminder that we're trying to keep these middle sections a little bit shorter now that we're doing two episodes a week so we'll try to be quick and we'll be right back i am so excited about our sponsor this week marvel strike force i freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike, where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, 
innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX 350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $5.28 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right. So big thanks to all of our patrons, including our tier five patrons, Hool the Fool, Apollo and Pipe Man. And if we've done anything to help you get through your workday or your commute to work or your workout, then please check out patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast for all the different tiers, including ad free episodes and even T-shirts and joining us on the patron chat, which is coming up on Monday night as of right now while we're recording this, unless we're changing things. But if you are a tier four or higher patron, then check out the discord channel for all the details and all the stuff uh, going on there for for any clarity on exactly when and how that will be recorded. So uh, please tune into the Discord channel. And even if you're not a patron, check out our Discord channel, the Robots Rated Discord, and, and chat with us about Mass Effect and all the, the other stuff. So that's where that's going on. We've got some new reviews. In fact, we've got one here from um, uh, actually on Audible, which is another place that you can listen to the show. And this one came in from uh, Tom M, who gave us five stars in overall performance and story and who wrote for anyone who is a fan of mass effect having played through the series at least 10 times i can confidently say that this podcast is a great companion to the series if you are new to mass effect or if you are a veteran specter mass effect lore cast fills all the holes and itches mass effect leaves you with tom and sam do a formidable job at giving the mass effect universe its due recognition well done i should go meet me in my cabin we'll bang okay (laughs) So thank you. Thank you, Tom, for the uh, for the hilarious review. We appreciate it. And for taking the time to, to leave this on Audible, uh, where you listen to it. And if you listen to us on a platform different than Apple, uh, which is where we, we can clearly see all those reviews, it's actually very easy for me to do that because I have a, a platform I use to see them internationally. Uh, please take the time to leave the review on those, even if we can't look them up as easily. And if you do and want to just like copy and paste it to us so that we can see it, we'd love for you to let us know um, because it may not be easy for us to find it, but we'd love for you to just let us know. So thank you again, Tom. That's awesome. And we have another one here on Apple. And this one is from Mega Shorty Five in the US who writes, I'm hooked again. Five stars. I started this podcast two months ago looking to see if I can re-spark my interest in the Mass Effect series. Seeing the high reviews on this lore cast, I decided to give it a shot. Now I'm glad to call that one of my better decisions I've ever made. Wow, that's that's high praise. Uh, one of my not better decisions was eating pizza twice this week, and now I'm walking on a treadmill under my desk. Not right now, but more often this week. Um, Sam and Tom do an awesome job with showing great chemistry with each other. 
with N7 Sam bringing lore that you could easily miss if you were not as in-depth with the codex as he is, then Tom Robots helps even things out with bringing a philosophical and fun twist with looking at the lore from a realistic perspective. Thank you to both of you and your community re-sparking my love for my favorite game series. Mega Shorty, that was awesome. Thank you so much for your taking the time to re- leave us a review. And again, thank you to all of our patrons and everybody who takes time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or um, giving us a rating on Spotify. That's another place you can do that. And we're getting close to 200 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you guys want to take the time to drop us another one, a little review or a rating, we're up, up to about almost 200. That would be really cool to to break that, break that limit. Um, but that would be awesome. Thank you again to all of you and all of our patrons. You guys are the best. Let's move on with the rest of the show. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right. So we were talking about Axel. I want to I want to say his name in a different way. That's not nice. Axel. Axel. (laughs) So I hear you're an Axel. (laughs) Ah <laughs> oh, man, what a tool. Mm. Uh, <laughs> now, Axul, uh, he basically becomes a Sith Lord. Wait, he gets he, a lightsaber? I wish. He shoots lightning? So, He's like... That'd be so much Unlimited doper. power! Uh, that'd be so much cooler, honestly. But no, he, he, he embraces the dark side is what I meant. Oh, and, no. Um, the Rokar are quickly established as an enemy faction. Yeah, it sounds and like at his, it. At his direction, the Rokar go on to do some pretty heinous shit in the name of protecting their species. Yeah, this, I mean, this is where this goes, right? The whole ends justify the means thing. Now I'm saying it correctly. Anyway, so yes. as predicted, groups with ideologies like these do that stuff, right? That's just how it goes. What they do... So what do they do against the initiative? Well, it's not only limited to actions against the initiative, but and they seem to be cruel to everyone who isn't them with a varying level of tolerance for Angara who disagree. But in Andromeda, the Rokar have cells seemingly everywhere the player can go. And they have their plan. They they have their hands bloody from from like so much shit. Like like everything from murder to kidnappings, all the way to terrorist attacks and bioweapons plans. Uh, as for the murders, the player can investigate a series of them on Kadara against both Milky Way species and the Angara who shelter and support them. What? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like serious Gestapo shit. Yeah. Um, and, and at one point, the Rokar tries to kidnap an initiative scientist, Dr. Zoe Jean Kennedy. Okay, why? Well, this is the dark part. Uh-huh. Um, she has information that would help the Rokar gain sabotage opportunities on the initiative. So natural target right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but And here's where it gets dark. So And, and trigger warning, because this is like... This is really messed up. This so is, so yeah. this is like uh, parental baby stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so you may want to skip ahead a few minutes if that's like if any terribleness having to do with that would be a trigger for you. Yeah. Um, so the Rokar want to kidnap her uh, because she's pregnant. 
And when I say pregnant, she's like nine months pregnant. And I think the Rokar would see it as a personal victory of sorts, I suppose, preventing the first human from being born in Andromeda. Uh, or maybe secretly they're like, they're like wanting something even more heinous. Like they want to raise the human themselves to hate humans. You know what I mean? Right. Um, or get a infant to test on and use right. in some other crazy scientific way. Dark way. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's one of the reasons. And when I say pregnant, I mean, she literally gives birth moments after the player defends her and kills the bad guys from coming her to, mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. So, you know, uh, she's there's also pregnant in Andromeda. Like we should probably discuss this because not, there's not that much time that passes from the time the Hyperion, the human arc arrives in the Helios cluster and forgive me, you know, if, if, if there's someone out there who's really more of an expert of Andromeda lore than I am, I'm not that familiar with Andromeda, but you know, from my understanding, she is well into her pregnancy in Andromeda, not that much time passes after the Hyperion has arrived. And so was she pregnant when she was frozen? Yeah. It seems like one of those like, PSAs they put out like if you're planning to embark on the journey to Andromeda, please make sure that you have abstained from eating after midnight the night before and are also not pregnant or prone to migraines or, you know, like all of these things. Right. Like, yeah, uh, please please do not have unprotected sex within 48 hours of disembarking on the Hyperion. Yeah. Right. Like like these are all the things that you should probably not do or like please do not drink alcohol the day of embarking, you know, like Yeah, probably yeah. a good idea. Um but yeah, don't go, she, don't freeze yourself drunk. That would be super weird to wake up and still be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> 600 Whoa! year bender. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> oh, everything's still spinning. I've been drunk for like 700 years, dude. (laughs) Like half of my brain cells are burned out. Sweet. He's just perma drunk now. Wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so I guess Dr. Kennedy would have had to have been, you know, like well along in her pregnancy by the time she was frozen. I'm not sure that's really a good idea for the pregnancy. Then again, I'm not the doctor. Maybe they did a lot of testing and they're just like, yeah, it totally is fine. Like turns out you can freeze infants. <laughs> like it freezes every part of your body, including your reproductive organs and also fetuses inside your womb. And so it's totally fine, I guess. I don't want to, I don't think I want to know the testing that they did to get there. Um, yeah. But seems weird. Fun fact, fun fact though. Uh, her kid is named after David Anderson, i.e. Captain Anderson. Is the kid named Captain? I wish. Uh, no, named David Edward. Oh, uh, not Captain no. Edward. <laughs> not, not, uh, not the cat, kid, but Captain. The kid or enrolls a, in the military later on and becomes a captain. Is Captain Captain, captain Edward? Captain. That would be awesome. Captain Kevin. <laughs> I, I Captain Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you mentioned. Um, let's get back on track. But you mentioned bioweapons, terrorist attacks. Yeah. So I, uh, yes, yes. So the Rokar capture a human on the, on the note of bioweapons. 
the Rokar captured a human who's sick with a disease that seems to be impacting multiple Milky Way species. Uh, seems to be, I don't know if the right word for that would be zoonotic, because it's that's typically something that we use to describe mm-hmm. a virus that might transfer between humans and animals. Right. I mean... I get, I get, I mean, I, we don't have to deal with multiple intelligent species ever. Like that's not a thing, right. but I but guess regardless, it's, it's a disease that's impacting and it's contagious and it's impacting multiple Milky Way species and a human has it and they capture this human, Ruth Becker. Um, but curiously, the Angora seemed to be immune. Not at all, not all that surprising considering that they were created and evolved in a different galaxy, a completely different biosphere. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think you see where this is going. Mm-hmm. So the Rokar capture this human and they experiment and try to figure out how to infect more members of the Andromeda initiative. Right. Right. Uh, to, to try to wipe them out. Thankfully that fails. Yeah, I mean, it's a, totally a smart way to do it, though. Like if they can create a biological agent that would affect everybody from the other galaxy and completely leave everybody from their galaxy alone, that would be the safest way to kill everyone. And it not would, them. but it's, it's also maniacal. It's oh, like- yeah. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's like a good thing, <laughs> but but like a bomb kills everybody. Right. Right. A virus would discriminate against targets. A virus would kill everybody that they want to kill and none of the people they don't want to kill. So, yeah, until it evolves. Yeah, unless it does evolve. But but if they're like uh, on a on a genetic level, if there is a distinct difference between the DNA and because viruses are RNA strands. And if there's a distinct enough difference that the amount of evolution that that virus strand would have to go through to jump would be like significant, like would be so many jumps evolutionarily that the likelihood of it would be like just super insignificant. Then right. It would probably kill its host population before it could evolve that far. Like, right. It would just never would evolve. Then that that would actually be a very smart way to do it and never endanger your own species. So, yeah, the, the Rokar are that maniacal and they're willing to explore that option because they hate the outsiders that much. And they also, you know, they look into other types of terroristic terroristic attacks. The Rokar try to attack the initiative colony on EOS. Uh, and the goal of that is twofold. You know, of course, the goal would be to kill the initiative members, but it would also be and of course, it would also be to install instill fear, but it would also be to try to get the initiative to retaliate. Because if they could get them to retaliate, then they could drum up more fear of the other amongst their own Angara population. And then subsequently, they'd have more justification for the Rokar. And it could serve as the pretext for future operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't work, thankfully. Yeah, well, uh, it does not work. And after the EOS attack fails, they conduct a false flag operation. (laughs) And, uh, you know, funny timing. We're talking about false flag operations on this, the 21st of February, 2022. Uh, If you're curious what I mean by that, look up the news. Um, (laughs) But uh, under Axul's command, the Rokar try to blow up the literal birthplace of their civilization. The forge is so it's called using stolen explosives from the initiative to try and frame the new aliens. Mm -hmm. 
So they tr- you say they try. I'm, I'm assuming this doesn't actually work. They no, it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> they, it doesn't work. It's foiled once again by the you know the player character mm-hmm. and uh, by Sarah with her big eyes. Yeah, Sarah with her she huge sees eyes. It all. And I, without spoiling too much, that is like that exact false flag operation is kind of like the fever pitch that we mentioned, I think, in the previous episode, uh, where there is this final confrontation between Aksul and Jal and Ryder, and Ryder can choose to intervene uh, or choose to really have the situation be approached whichever way Ryder would prefer. But no matter what, Ephra is still distrusting and dis- dissatisfied after that exchange. So, ah, yeah. Ah. So um, two girls in chat says the Hyperion arc arrived 14 months after the Nexus, more than enough time to rekindle a frozen romance and be very pregnant. So, hey, well, there you <laughs> there go. You go. There Thank you, go. you uh, for that quick research there. Uh, two girls, one shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I forgot, um, probably because I need to brush up on some Andromeda lore that that the Hyperion arrives after the Nexus a considerable amount of time afterward. So, so good to know. Okay, so do we ever get a good look inside their mind as to like why they're just or like how they're justifying these actions? Uh, a little bit. I'd say the closest the player gets is a series of manifestos that you can discover from a Rokar member, and these are scattered, you know, like across the cluster. They're not all in one place. Um, but they, they, they read more like journal entries than they do manifestos. Um, but they are kind of monologues in written for written form. Um, and here's one, I, I would just like to read one because I think it, it sheds a decent amount of perspective on a Rokar members, uh, you know, like, uh, thinking and an ideology. So here's one that the, uh, player can find quote. How did our lives come to this? How could our ancestors let the Ket conquer our worlds so easily? And why do our present leaders fail to protect us now? Disunity destroys us from within. And our people have repeatedly failed to join forces when we needed them most. But we've blamed each other, bickered and betrayed, and given our conquerors easy prey. Now we see a new enemy invading our space, offering extinction disguised as hope lies meant to divide us it falls on those who can see past these deceptions to prevent our people from preventing the mistakes that doomed us in the past all angara must become one to have any hope of defeating the evil forces surrounding us this is the single belief of the rokar and i feel its truth in my blood our cause is just so i think that does a pretty good job of explaining their ideology right Right. I think that some of the key words here are things like, um, I feel it's truth. Yes. It's yeah. not about fact. It's about feeling that this is truth. Like, like, uh, especially th- this new inven- enemy invading from space, offering extinction disguised as hope. Like, I don't have any evidence that they're going to wipe us out, but I feel it in my blood Right. Based off of prior events that have off, no bearing. Based off of nothing, nothing other than just my own fear of them coming to wipe us out. I feel that this is the truth, though. Yeah. And, and, and it's key. I think the underlying tone here is fear. 
Yes. It's always, it's, it's fear. Right. It's 100% fear. Right. right. And did um, I mention this on the last episode that like, uh, this is what, this is what humans do. This is like, this is the evolutionary response to things. We, yeah. we, we fear the worst and we hope for the best in every situation. We immediately anticipate the worst and the best. We either hope for the best or we fear the worst and we, we envision it in our minds. And the way that reality actually happens is usually somewhere much closer to the middle. And in fact, it's like a bell curve. Like the chances of the worst situation happening is like a 0.01% chance, <laughs> right? And the chances of the best situation happening is like a 0.01% chance. And the thing that will actually happen is probably way closer to the bell curve, right? right in the middle somewhere. And it might skew a little bit on the bad side. It might skew a little bit on the good side. But there's it's way closer to somewhere in the middle. But evolutionarily speaking, we have to take we have to plan for the worst because when we when the worst thing that could have happened was the tiger pounced out of the jungle and ate you, you had to prepare for that. Because if there was a one percent chance and you prepared for it, then you might survive. And if the tiger yeah. didn't pounce, yeah. then it didn't matter. You still survived. And that's what allowed you to pass on your genes in order to have children, which allowed you to exist today because your ancestors prepared for that. Right. Yeah. But in today's society, when the worst thing that could happen is not contingent on you surviving and passing on your genes, that leads to anxiety and it leads to also it leads to believing falsity. It leads to all sorts of things. And what it what the other thing it does is it makes you not actually rely on evidence and waiting and holding on to you know waiting to to actually believe something and holding in and and you know allowing your opinion to kind of float in the air until you actually get more information and allowing to change your opinion with more information like and and you know um constructive criticism and taking in you know other people's opinions and critical thinking and those kinds of things so yeah. And Ugh. I think that there's also some serious rhetoric here of of distrust in public institutions, of fomenting this, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We were weak. We had to be strong. Right. You know, there's if, very populist rhetoric here. Yeah. Uh, well, as if our, their ancestors didn't just do the best job they could at the time with the best information they had. Clear. Yeah. And I get the I get the anger and and just for the record I I understand where they're coming from. Like I can see yeah. why ang these Angara would feel like this because you know once bitten twice shy, right? Absolutely. And they yeah. were bitten very hard. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, and you're but be it's still it's still not a logical thing like this hey this entirely separate event from this separate group of people that ended poorly we should judge this new group of people by that event. Right. Right. Even though it would like if there wanted to be a political debate, which I'm sure Angara would love to do because of their culture, <laughs> they could debate this this ideology by saying, but wait a second, those circumstances aren't perfectly the same. These aren't these two things are not equal. You this right. is false equivalence. You right. know, absolutely. Um, like th this group is coming to us for very different reasons from a very different place with different right. biology with different they haven't tried to divide us with different complexity with different messaging like there's a lot of different things that are happening here um yeah yeah so uh, yeah anyway I, i'll put my soapbox back in the corner uh but <laughs> but the, but these are the parallels to real life i mean this is what this is well written because this is what people do 
like yeah, that's that is well that's my point is that like that's why this is interesting is because we are more likely to do what this person is writing here than we are not to as right. as a whole as people are and so even with Ephra's, you know, in the the Angaran resistance's uh, reluctance to trust the initiative, it's still commendable that they would cooperate. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And probably more commendable than humanity should get credit for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's it's um, nice. It's nice when people actually do slow down and um, take the time to say, OK, hold on. These are this is what my emotions are telling you. But wait, let's actually slow yeah. down and think about this. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Um, so yeah, there are other, there are four other quote unquote, you know, like manifestos. There are four other types of, uh, letters like this that you can go read. I didn't want to read them all out because they're kind of lengthy, but I highly encourage anyone that's interested in that to go, uh, you know, seek those out on the wiki and read them because they, they give a lot of insight into why the Rokar think the way they do and how you can condition someone to be okay with committing atrocities. Yeah, don't, that's an important. Don't learn how to do that though for your own use. Yeah, what kind of don't, sociopath <laughs> would do that? I'm not, don't, <laughs> don't teach yourself how to do that using this. That would don't, be a bad yeah, idea. Don't, don't teach yourself how to become Axul. Okay, yeah, don't be an Axul. Axul's a tool. Don't be. An, don't be an Axul. Be yeah. a Sarah Ryder. Be can be confuse everyone with the crazy look in your eyes, but ultimately do the right thing. <laughs> I, I can't do a Sarah Ryder voice. Can you do a Sarah Ryder voice? No, not at all. I can do Sarah Ryder <laughs> eyes. And she always has yeah. that goofy smile. Yeah, yeah. It's like like the I just I crushed the up a bunch off. of Xanax and Yeah. Here, can I can I get the oh, there we go. I get the glow on my glasses. <laughs> yeah, this is this demonstration is working well for an audience. Yeah, this media. is not working well for audience. Um, anyway, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And um, yeah, two girls in chat says it sounds like Tom is falling further in love with the story. I might remake a character. Well, that is, that has been the goal. Um, it, maybe we're getting closer to that goal. Uh, <laughs> if I can get past the Sarah Ryder face. Um, Sam, you got anything going on you want to share before we head out? Yeah, I'm, I'm streaming every Saturday, Monday, and Thursday. Sassy Shepherd Saturdays. That is my continued uh, Fimshep playthrough. First Fimshep playthrough ever of Mass Effect, uh, the original trilogy. That one's going on Saturdays. First ever? Uh, six Wait, you've you played this game how many times and this is your first Fimshep ever? I didn't know that. First continued Fimshep playthrough wow, ever. Wow, wow. Yep, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm al already noticing a lot of differences in gameplay. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm streaming that on Saturdays from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Streaming on Mondays, that's kind of a rotating slew of games. Streaming on Thursdays, that's planning to be a throwback. Also possibly planning a second Mass Effect stream of the week. But uh, you can find all those uh, if you find me on Twitch at In7TheLegend. I'm also on Twitter. Same handle. Cool. I like I like Femship better. She's my... Yeah, Jennifer Hale knocks it out of the park. She's my go-to. Like, she's like, yeah. Mm, you tell him. You tell him, Shep. <laughs> she She's an amazing voice actress. Yeah, she's good. She's real good. Um... Yeah, and uh, of course my stuff and uh, everything on the network is over at robotsradio.net. You can check out all the different shows, all my lore casts and all that stuff is over um, live shows 
at uh, twitch.tv slash robots radio. The main channel is on the robots radio YouTube channel. Uh, reminder that we're trying to hit a thousand subscribers on the Mass Effect Lorecast YouTube channel, where you can also watch all of these episodes if you'd like to see our beautiful faces. And um, you can tune into the Robots Radio YouTube or Twitch channel or Facebook channel if you'd rather watch there for some reason. Uh, <laughs> every night of the week where I'm either doing a podcast or streaming games. Uh, Tuesday nights are Skyrim with my mom, who is like 60 six years old and has never played a role-playing game ever and she makes all the decisions while i do the controls and it's hilarious because she's super cute and then on wednesday nights i'm doing new vegas with a 10 luck character and other nights of the week are podcasts and other things and who knows maybe i'll even stream some during the day while i'm walking on my treadmill which is weird to see somebody walk on a treadmill and also play games but i've been playing a lot of lost ark so let me know if you're playing Lost Ark, because that game's pretty freaking cool. Um, but that's what I got going on. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back again next Monday with our patrons having an awesome patron chat, most likely on Monday. But again, check the uh, check the discord for any updates on the time for that or, or our Twitter account. And we'll see you next week. So stay safe in the galaxy. And uh, I guess you've got plenty of time between the Nexus and whenever to get pregnant, if that's your thing. Also. Make sure to uh, find out if you're a dad. Sam, bye everybody. <laughs> Good luck. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.